Welcome to the Decent People Podcast, a production of Decentral Media, where we're committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a new decentralized economy and internet experience. You guys know it as Web3 or blockchain, but we're going to bring you the smartest and most interesting people in the space for intimate conversations that reveal their background, how they got into crypto in the first place, and what they're doing today to make a decentralized future a reality. Thanks so much for joining us, and check out our site at Decentral.io. Now, to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Decentral Media Podcast. I'm Steve Lander, your host, and this week we have the wonderfully talented concept artist, Robbie Trevino. Uh, Robbie has worked up for a variety of different companies, ranging from Lucasfilm to West Studio to Polygon Pictures. Uh, his work, you can check it out online, is, is out there. It's, it's incredible. Robbie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe just to start, um, re- you know, really excited to, to kind of learn more about your story and, and your trajectory and, you know, how you got into, from, into the art NFT space. Um, growing up, did you always know you wanted to pursue art and and was that always the goal or did that how, how did how did you get involved yeah so like i've been doing the whole art thing professionally for about 11 years now but like i think i've always wanted to be an artist like maybe artist wasn't the definition at like throughout life right but i was always creating something using some kind of creative outlet i know before i learned how to drive is building things like legos and lincoln logs and mega blocks and things like that you know messing around with clay like medium stuff like that but uh, yeah no i think i think i really started i started taking art a little bit more seriously as a kid like i'm i'm as far back as i can remember uh and then like actually seriously studying it in my early 20s and then you know working working from there professionally onward uh and it was it was definitely not the easiest path because i you know i i live on the west coast now i'm in la just left seattle but i used to live in michigan in the detroit area so like growing up in a in a midwestern environment you know like a lot of the people that i was around you know it was like the things people were familiar with sports uh you know like university studies and all of that encompasses uh like what else more just more like traditional the traditional path that like you know most like blue collar individuals would take and if you you mention art people are like okay that's nice but like what do you do for money <laughs> and right, it's just right. yeah so it was definitely not encouraged it was encouraged by some people the, the majority thought it was a, this fruitless endeavor and it ended up being like one of the best decisions in my life but yeah i think i would say for the last 20 i'm 34 now i'd say for the last 25 years i've been very serious about art as like a as like a potential pathway through life. Awesome. Awesome. And on that, on that trajectory, on that 25 year path, was there a, a moment or an experience that sort of, you know, you, you mentioned Midwest, like that, that, that kind of uh, mentality, was there something that kind of validated for you that, Hey, this actually is a potential path. And it, it's not just a, Hey, I, I do art. And they're like, oh, what do you, you know, like, like this is <laughs> my, 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 my direction, my livelihood, everything. 
it's it's so funny you mentioned that because like even now my mom explains to like her church friends you know what i do and they're like but what about for money like even now it's still the same response but uh yeah no i think probably the thing that validated those efforts or those feelings the most like i did get encouragement from like a handful of people but again it's like the majority were like like what are you doing man and like you know, so you don't get a lot of encouragement and we didn't have like social media like we do now. So there wasn't even like, you know, uh, like, a, like a, any kind of following that could encourage you at all. But I remember as a kid, I don't know what age this was, but it, it was whenever the nightmare, whenever Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, that that movie was sure. was on VHS. Right. So this is way back when there was a local grocery store as a local Kroger was hosting a drawing competition and like the, the challenge was it was Halloween theme. The challenge was whoever can make the scariest like, you know, ghost, monster, whatever piece of art will win a VHS copy of the newly released Nightmare Before Christmas. And I entered the competition and I won it. <laughs> and not that you need to be winning awards or anything, you know, to like be like, oh, I'm actually good at this art thing. Obviously, that will help with those 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 feelings and those questions. But like it was the first time I felt my art was actually really appreciated. And it was such a random thing to like enter. And I think. I don't know if my mom still has the VHS back back home or whatever, but uh, every time I see that, every time I come across it when I'm when I'm home or whatever, you know, visiting for the holidays, I, th I think about that story and like, yeah, I th I think that was probably like one of the biggest like light bulb moments for me. And there's a bunch more in between, but I think that was the first time. Sure, sure, and 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 I can imagine too that that the sense of confidence that comes with that is just it's like you 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 feel validated on such a variety of different levels one from a skill set perspective but also two, just the inclination that you personally have that hey i like this and i'm good at it and then it's sort of the universe being like hey uh you're onto something but basically i i think for further down that further down that timeline i remember too in art uh, it, was, it was just before just before college i did the whole community college thing for like really cheap like a really more affordable plan for like the the, the prerequisites, you know, uh, and then on to like a proper like art school where it's like now you're going to go into debt, but like you know you got as many many things done in community college as you could. I remember just before community college, there was a, a high school competition uh, for it, it was like a graphic design uh, some kind of class. I can't remember what it was called, but we we did auto like automotive themed posters I'm, I'm a big car guy like i love cars i could talk about this forever um and growing up in you know motor city obviously uh whoever won these comp like this competition there was three placings and your your poster your design would be shown at the north american international auto show which is one of the biggest things in detroit and like i, I think i got like third place and so again you know it was like oh like your art is appreciated like it's being shown and it's funny because like it ended up not even being like on the showroom it was like in this like dimly lit like <laughs> like hallway space outside off the exhibit but like it was still cool like you know to like again validating i would say you know just another push in that direction sure sure which is which is and i think you need you need those moments to to kind of ground the trajectory because without them it, it may it can it can seem sometimes that you're well, it's easier to second guess without those types of moments and experiences, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, on that tip, then, so you, you're, you've moved along, become concept artist, forgive any background noise. 
uh, <laughs> how then did, did that track morph into uh, digital assets, NFTs, et cetera, et cetera? So like that, like it's like full disclosure, I had no idea what like an NFT was until like many people until probably January, maybe early February of last year. That was around the time of like the parabolic rise, right? When like all these platforms and celebrities and people outside of the, that ecosystem, you know, which was incredibly niche and small at the time, you know, it really expanded and it's still a very like misunderstood thing, but like, uh, yeah, like I would say that was one of the first big steps towards like major mainstream adoption was that, that, that time period. So like before that though, I was just, I was, I was a concept artist, illustrator, artist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I still consider myself that I don't consider myself an NFT artist. Like I got into art, you know, like professionally, like 10 plus years ago and with no real guarantee of like financial return or like stability, it was literally just, you know, this could be your job, you know, cause what are your other options? Like looking around, it's like, uh, you could be like a, like an assembly plant worker. You could work at like a fast food place. You could, if you were, if you were lucky enough to be an athlete, maybe you could get like you know, you could do that, but you know, it's very like blue collar, like choices. Right. So I, I basically, uh, yeah, I started the work, uh, as a, as a concept artist and an illustrator, it was like 2012, 2011, 2012. Like I really began, you know, getting actual work and it was a really, it was a grind the first three years, three, four years before actually getting like a studio job, a nine to five with like a stable paycheck benefits, all that. Like, Working freelance was incredibly rough. You know, the first clients I had were tabletop RPG companies. And I still work with some of them today, like Magic, well, Wizards of the Coast, but Magic the Gathering specifically is like one of the first jobs I ever had. And, um, you know, I, it wasn't until I moved, I, I, I got a job. It was, this was like three years of that. And then it was, I got a job. What was it? It was, uh, it was Xbox. It was, in Washington, which is where their headquarters is, Microsoft. And that's what took me from, you know, the Midwest to the Pacific Northwest, to the West Coast. And then, you know, I was there for, for about eight years. And about halfway through, you know, working those AAA jobs, you know, I kind of moved more. It's really weird. I moved, I moved, I did a bunch of weird jobs that people, you know, you'd never guess from my portfolio. I, at one point I was working on a mobile, a mobile, I was working in a mobile game studio uh, on a mobile game called the Nicki Minaj game. And it was, <laughs> it was the same, the same studio that brought you the Kim Kardashian game. They brought you, uh, it was a handful of celebrities, Britney Spears, Taylor Swift, you know, like it was, it was like celebrity, uh, like dating and like rapping. And it, it was, it was more of like a social game sort of thing, kind of like the Sims or whatever completely different from what I did over like at Xbox. And then I moved on to casino games after that. You know, I, I did a lot of, did a lot of work for uh, land-based casino games, meaning like the digital slot machines that have a physical cabinet, you know, those games need art for the packaging. They need UI UX design. They need like the whole thing needs to be designed. I did everything but the math for those games for a few years. And then when the pandemic came, I moved on to more like TV and film work. And, you know, I started, I started gravitating. One of the first big things I worked on, like in TV and film was Love, Death and Robots. And that was back in 2019. And funny enough, the actual, the actual uh, episode that I worked on for season three is like finally coming out uh, in like, I think seven days. So that's, 
it it took a while, but you know, that's how that goes. Um, a lot fun fact, a lot of the stuff that you see come out from like uh, you know, like let's say like a, a new a new TV show, a movie, something that required a lot of like design and like conceptual iteration that, you know, it's very possible that the work that was done on that to bring that to fruition is like three, four years old. And like you, you, you never, you never know what's going to get made in that industry. You know, you just assume you do it and you assume it's going to get made and half the time it doesn't. But when it does, it's all, oh, it's a miracle. It's the most amazing thing. So, you know, TV and film started, for the last two, three years, I would say just before the NFT stuff. And, you know, worked with some musicians too, you know, worked with, with the band tool. That was a pretty cool gig, you know, uh, a few other things I can't really announce right now. NDA is like the bane of uh, a concept artist existence, but, uh, and then, yeah, it wasn't until like February that I, I, you know, friends started pushing me on it. They were saying, you know, Hey, like there's this thing called like, you know, NFTs, like crypto art. And they were showing me at the time, you know, it was, not the pfp hustle that it is now it was all about like getting the coveted nifty gateway drop and you know trying to get on super rare to sell like an awesome one of one and you know foundation i think was another option but like you know i i was working i was working my jobs and i'd heard of cryptocurrency i'd heard of like bitcoin hadn't heard of ethereum but i'd heard of bitcoin and i knew nothing about it and friends were saying like this is a real thing this is legitimate and at the time, it seemed like a total, it just seemed like a pile of bullshit to me. I was like, are you, like, I was looking, I think, I think they showed me Pox, uh, super rare. And he, you know, had been selling one-on-ones for, you know, like, I don't know, 45, 50, 60, I can't remember exactly the price points, but the fact that there were like JPEGs or GIFs, or I should say lo looping MP4s, you know, just, just digital art, you know, with, with nothing physical attached was selling for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I, I couldn't, I still thought it was this, I thought it was all like total BS. And then I saw friends of mine start getting into the space and, you know, I started asking questions and they advised me and said, this is what you need to do. And I, I, I think I got in just before, you know, the real like influx of like tens of thousands of people showed up, you know, uh, and that was, that was kind of my introduction to the NFT thing. I, I, I definitely saw it when I, when I stepped in as someone who's had, you know, student loan debt for the last 10 plus years uh i saw it as other than an opportunity to like utilize new technology to push your specific artwork because that's really at the end of the day it's what i am as an artist uh, and, and a storyteller i saw it as a way at least financially to create you know like a sort of a sort of uh loop of financial runway and essentially a way to red pill yourself from the the sort of loop, the loop of the endless industry loop of it's on to the next job and the next job and the next job. And then eventually you just work and then you die, which is really honestly the, uh, the reality of things. And I know that's like a really black and white way of like painting it, but no, well, it, 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 it's like, I mean, a lot of people, I think even outside the art world would, 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 would relate to that too, just of, in terms of working and, and everything. Yeah. Like it's just like, you can get like even the most delicious food, you know what insert the most neurologically rewarding thing in your life it can you can still be fatigued on it like i don't think we were meant to do just one specific thing in perpetuity and like even your passion projects you know even the thing you love i shouldn't say projects but the the dream jobs right even that you know, like just becomes a job at a certain point the magic wears off and so i just i i wasn't really like interested in what i had been working on for a while and i i have so many of my own stories i want to tell and I never had like the financial means or the runway or the infrastructure to do it. You know, I, 
I would be doing just my own thing in perpetuity, telling my own stories at my own pace. But there's this thing called, you know, cost of living and bills and all that. So I would always be working on other things. And it's not to say those jobs weren't very like rewarding, but at a certain point, you know, you want to do your own thing. And I guess I reached it a little bit sooner than other people because 10 ish years is not like, I know people who have been doing this for like 30 plus years. So like this, you know, I'm, I'm technically new still, but I, I was in it enough to know this isn't what I wanted. And what I saw was a chance to remove myself from that loop and create content in my own way with my own autonomy, like, uh, at my own pace, you know, and, and like basically cutting out the middleman, you know, the producers, the, the suits, the other invested parties, you know, it, it's a chance for freedom basically is what I saw. And you're doing it with interesting technology because it is this rapidly changing thing that has changed. I don't know, 10, 20 times since I joined, like it feels like NFT, like crypto time is not normal human time. It's like 20 X the speed. <laughs> You know, I feel like I've been in it for like, you know, 15 years and it's only been one year, like a little bit over a year, like a year and some change. Right. But that's pretty much how I got into it. Amazing. Amazing. And, and, and I love that you had a very clear or perhaps the clarity evolved as as you went along of, hey, how this can benefit that old overarching vision of, hey, I'm a storyteller at heart. This is going to help that bigger picture goal. And it's and it's just a kind of a, a piece of the puzzle in your overall overarching journey. Yeah, even even like like I, I I agree. And when I started, again, it was all about the one of ones and collections of art. Like PFP, utility, these words, you know, there was punks and I think like hash masks. And like that was it. Like so, you know, like there wasn't really you know, PFP community, like this wasn't a, a thing, right? And I know a lot of artists, you know, who came from that same sort of era of like, it was all about high, high end art, right? And, you know, hooking the whales and, you know, trying to get like a, a really strong collector base that really supported your art. It's still very much a thing in the space. But a lot of people who came from that, you know, they're very upset, understandably and frustrated, understandably with like sort of the flavor of the week, which is PFPs. It doesn't exactly help you, you know, sell the art you want to sell right now. But the truth is, the two can coexist. There's more than enough space in the metaverse, if you want to call it that, and like, or in the crypto ecosystem. And like, in my opinion, it's kind of a needed thing. Like it brings more people into the space. Like I, I know people who started with the PFP thing and now they're more onto like high-end art and then vice versa. People are just trying things out and seeing what fits. But I don't, I don't think anyone should really go, it's, it's this or that. It's like, how about we have both and they're just different? You know, this space is still figuring itself out. We got a long ways to go. Like it's, as everyone says, like we're early, right? Like it's a pretty new thing. Like it's, it's still growing, right? So. Totally, totally. And real quick for, for those who may not know what PFPs are, uh, would you mind uh, describing those to, to folks? Yeah, who... it, like essentially like, so like the high-end art is, you know, either single editions of like, you know, beautiful gallery art that you want to hang up uh, or, you know, like a limited edition, right? 10 of 10, 5 of 5. PFP mean it's just an abbreviation for profile picture project. And so, you know, uh, the idea is it's it's sort of like you're you're buying into rather than, you know, a single piece of art or, you know, a few editions of art, you're buying into, it, there's varying numbers, you know, 7K, 10K, 
I don't really know if it goes much over 10K, but maybe there's been some. Like the typical formula is 10,000 unique profile pictures, you know, and it's 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 this it's essentially like uh like an avatar of uh, like maybe like a handful of characters you know and they have think of this as like a video game with like you know it's the character builder stage right you're giving specific outfits specific features you know you know skins uh effects maybe you know maybe the backgrounds are different like it's just like that's essentially what like these 10k projects are and like in a way what what it what it is is you're, you're buying yourself think of it as a membership to a community right it's like you're you're buying, it's almost like the scene from, uh, what is it? Uh, I always compare it to this. Oh, uh, American Psycho, right? Where they're showing each other their business cards, right? right. And like, in a way, like you're, you're basically buying membership to this like elite club, this this community, right? And anyone can join, right? It's, it's The question is like, can you afford this specific, you know, the price point, right? And obviously some have grown to be unobtainable, right? Like Bored Apes, for example, is this blue chip thing that basically... Is, is more valuable than the original, you know, I, I don't know if there were 10K punks, but like, you know, the original PFP project, which was CryptoPunks, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's that's really all that is, right? It, it's basically high-end art versus, and not to say like PFPs can't be high-end, but like think of it as fine art versus uh, almost like you're, you're buying like membership to, to a club right which is also a piece of art but it is also membership to a club because then you do become part of that community right right which is which is re a really interesting way to think about it because uh you know one you could say is institutional art and the other is this new wave uh as you're saying of pfps that that are shaking it up you know it's 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 dis disrupting if you will the art world which uh is a good thing you know you because as you said, you know, there's more access, there's more um, opportunity for people to get involved and to experience uh, a different type of existence in that, in that space that pr previously wasn't even available. I mean, you had to have, uh, the barrier of entry was, was far more uh, exponential than, than currently. Oh yeah, the, I think the punks, uh at the time that i bought my punk you know eth i guess with eth ethereum taking you know the dip that it has recently i would say it was probably a little bit less like like value wise to usd than than it is now but you know it was it was much lower and cryptopunks was also lower in price and i you know i was advised by uh, you know a really a really like he's he's a friend and a mentor uh tony herrera he's you know this massive collector of punks you know and uh, a lot of people know him in, in the space. Really great guy. Check him out if you haven't. Tony Herrera does a lot of work with like the Latino community. Um, he's definitely like an immigrant activist, activist, and a bunch of other stuff. He he basically, you know, he he told me, you know, like the benefits of owning a punk, other than it being a financial investment. The more I talked to him, the more we both kind of discussed it. And I realized, you know, like a good way as an artist, because artists weren't weren't buying PFPs at the time. There's maybe one or two artists who did this because not everyone has the liquidity for it. But, you know, I, I thought to myself, me and Tony discussed it. Why don't I buy a punk? Not just because I want to buy it as like an investment to grow and, you know, sell for later. But it's because like I want to show the community that I am invested in this thing. And hopefully, you know, they'll take my art, my efforts, the things that I'm trying to talk about, things that I'm trying to do in the space a little bit more seriously. Because like, you know, you would have to be invested as like a formerly broke, you know, borderline homeless at times artist 
you know, who's going to spend 20, 30, 40 K on a, on a JPEG, right? Like, you know, that's definitely not someone who's just literally coming in, sticking their hand out and then leaving with money. Like that's someone who's going, I'm, you know, I'm here to stay. Like I've invested in what we're doing and, uh, you know, I like to be a part of the conversation, you know, and I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And that's, so I did, I did buy a punk for that reason. And it, it worked amazingly. It led to work. It led to me working on the actual pixel vault, you know, release that crypto punks comic, the first issue. And I was the art director on that. And it's, it's because I was one of like, I mean, other than I guess being qualified for the job and, you know, vibing with the team, I was also, I had a punk, you know, and I was part of that community. So you know, there's, there's definitely like multiple reasons and a lot of facets to this, to, to the reasoning as to why you would buy into a project. And, you know, mine was to show investment in the community. And, you know, I, I have, I have other PFPs as well, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I see, I see a lot of value in it. And again, as an artist who like is really mostly here to like sell meaningful art, you know, I know that it can be frustrating that, you know, sort of like people's attention is on the this other thing called PFPs. But like, I think the two are needed and I think they can coexist. Mm, totally, totally. And I think as the space continues to evolve, we're going to see more evidence to what you're saying of of those two things, or you could call them even uh, the, the gap between, I don't even want to say extremes, but those two two different entities mm -hmm. being, being merging and, and, and coming closer together to that end what would you say your mission is through your art uh i mean i've always wanted to tell stories i mean really like that's I, I i look at my old my old stuff my childhood portfolio and you know it's full of robots and like buff lizard men and like frog people and all kinds of nonsense but when i really look at what i drew there's always some kind of story there. There's some kind of like narrative, you know, and it's wrapped in like aesthetically interesting design. I didn't understand, you know, design at the time. Design is a little bit different, like the, the term design from, from storytelling, but like, you know, it like math, it's a universal language. Uh, and once I understood like, what is effective design? What is something like, what makes a person, you know, find something aesthetically pleasing, you know, visually stimulating, like what's the psychology there? Once it was, you know, broken down and explained to me as a formula, I took that and applied it to all the interesting and weird stories that I've been telling. Uh, you know, like I, a lot of my work, you know, it's described as like body horror. It shouldn't be though, because there's no actual blood or gore or violence. There's a lot of like anatomical, you know, dissection and, you know, biological, you know, aesthetic, you know, I call it flesh tech, where it's sort of like, you know, mechanical mixed with bi biological. Um, but like, you know, that that is that is part of, of a larger narrative that I'm telling. And like, I think I know that most of my work that I've sold a, like within the NFT space is actually from a book project that I've been working on since 2016 called Numinous. And essentially what that is, you know, it started as a personal personal experiment and style, uh, you know, with no guarantees of, of anything other than just, Hey, I'm just finding a new creative outlet. I'm trying something. I, if no one pays me for it, it's fine. Whatever. I'm just doing it for me. And then I would share it and people had a, you know, really visceral, uh, you know, almost like spiritual response to it. Like so many people are like, Oh man, this is, you know, like you looked like a lot of other people before this. And like, that's not, you know, no shade. Like that is a good thing. Like you were always technologically proficient, but here, like you're saying something, this is, this is substance. There's like a message here. Like what, what are, like, what are you trying to say here? 
And, you know, as I did more of these, I realized, like, oh, I'm, I think I am telling a story. Everything kind of exists in the same world. There's all these creatures and, you know, characters and these, like, abstract, surreal environments. It's very, like, Moebius meets Salvador Dali. It's, it's surreal. And not that I ever set out to be a surrealist, but, you know, my art, you know, I kept inviting conversation. And that's what surrealism a lot of times is, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's somewhat mis I shouldn't say misunderstood. It's somewhat abstract, but familiar. It's familiar enough that you go, I know, I know what I'm looking at to a degree, but there's an abstract element of it that leaves a big question mark. And it's those question marks, right? Like those, those pieces of art, those experiences, whether it's like a weird, a movie with like a strange ending or a book that wasn't, didn't quite, you know, wrap up into anything or, or art that is, you know, open to interpretation. It's like that invites conversation. It stimulates people. It makes people interested. Like they like they'll add their own meanings or answers to it. And my art kept doing that. But when I figured out, you know, like if I could distill this into something and give it an answer, like a beginning, a middle and an end in the form of a book, which is something I've always wanted to do. Like, what would that be? And that's when I added, I began to add writing to it. I began to, it's again, it started as art and I would add, I would add uh, writing to it after. And then I began, once I learned a little bit more about writing, I began writing and then adding the art after, you know, writing it out sequentially. And I, I, I realized, you know, I kind of formed it into this story about, you know, I'm not going to call it an astronaut because we've already got enough of those. Uh, and again, this was 2016. Traveler, call him the Traveler. The Traveler, you know, crash lands on a distant planet, interacts with the indigenous life of the planet. I didn't even call it a planet. I call it a plane of existence. It's very surreal, very abstract. And, you know, this goes over like three, four books, and I've already finished the first book, but essentially like, you know, it's a story about the traveler coming to accept that they're never leaving this, this alien world, this, this planet. Uh, it's very much like, uh, what is it? Annihilation, that movie Annihilation. Uh, sure. It's, it's, it's very, you know, like, it's like they've entered the shimmer. And so they're, you know, basically this, this story it's, it's, it's about them accepting, you know, their, their place in the universe. And like, you know, they were always meant to be here. And the traveler is a metaphor for me. Like I was talking about me because this art, you know, I, I started doing it in 2016. It was complete, complete segue. Or I shouldn't say segue, complete divergence from what I used to do. And, you know, like everything said, like, don't do this because there's no market for this. Like, I can't think of any studio that would hire you. And at the time, you know, all I was trying to do for most of my career was just stay afloat financially. Um, you know, people responded to it and said, like, I, I, would, I would watch an anime of this. I'd, you know, collect toys of this. Like, what this is amazing. This is the best thing you've ever done. And, like, I realized that, like, you know, through that process, like, I was accepting my own, like, artistic calling, which was to do this thing to become this artist to become that that brand and now i just am that but you know by like telling that story that's that's essentially what i was doing I was talking about myself and you know it's a message it's a pretty human story i would say like a lot of people can relate to it but you know that's not the only thing i want to do with my art but like that is what i have done with my art is you know tell a story about myself and you know i've told stories about other people you know other 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 worlds other creatures other characters other realities you know i worked again i worked on star wars you know i worked for lucasfilm and you know that's a very cool and like fun and like expansive sandbox to play in but you know it's not it's not my sandbox it's I, I'm, I'm adding to the lore which is a it's a very fun place to be but i, I would describe it as an airbnb you know 
it's a really nice Airbnb. It's it's bang and it's baller, but it's not your actual home. It's not your it's not your bed. You know the one that feels right. just right. And that's to me that's what numinous is. And and you know or or any projects that I decide to uh, to endeavor on. And like you know NFTs just provide like a perfect outlet for that because it lets me you know build a community, work on this thing. You know create like a a, a, a following you know, like gain interest, you know, and, and financially support it. And, and the whole idea is just to simply reinvest in that same thing. So you just continue seeing that thing because that's literally, that's literally all I've ever wanted to do is, is just create art. There's, there's really no, nothing else to it. You know, no one ever said you're going to make money doing this. Uh, and I did it anyway. So yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. Well, and it's awesome. And it's, it's like, I think that's what, what, what you're describing really is, is, it sounds like the journey that that a lot of folks go through, which is getting to the point of yourself, but to get there, you have to take a job or, or embark upon other work that isn't fully immersive in your own personal calling. But through those steps, it brings you to the place back to your center, which, you know, some people can come out the gate and they're already there and then fantastic. But for a lot of us, and you know, it's, it's, I think very relatable where you have to kind of go out into the world, go to the foreign lands, go to these alien planets. And then the journey to back to you, like is that is your journey. And then it's also the journey of others, but through your lens. So it's uh, super cool. Yeah, it's it's all stepping stones, man. Like when, like when you peel apart the layers of any artist or musician or writer, anyone who creates, you know, who's created content for people to experience, like what they're what they're telling, like what they're showing to the world is influenced, you know, and a lot of times like recalling of 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 previous experiences. Like we as people a lot like we are like the lives that we've lived, you know, like it's like, it's, it's, it's like you're adding spices to a dish, you know, like this experience flavors this and this enhances this. And it all just sort of collects and culminates into this, you know, this, 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 uh, this person, you know, and yeah, I, like, I, I also think it's safe to say that most artists, you know, musicians, you know, uh, authors, whoever it may be, a lot of, a lot of us, we put ourselves in our work. You know, whether it's like subtle or painfully obvious, it's, you know, like, like we're giving a part of ourselves to the world to experience. And yeah, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing, man. Totally. And do you think too, that that's perhaps what resonates most is people uh, can, can kind of tap into that authenticity and understand, oh, hey, this is resonating on a different frequency. And perhaps it's because that piece that you're describing is what's put into the work. I mean, absolutely. Like I, like I've, I've had the fortune of working on like amazing, you know, games and films and TV, you know, like from Star Wars, to, like Magic the Gathering, like Love, Death and Robots, like working with, you know, bands and musicians that I've, you know, I've, I've idolized since like childhood, like all of those things, you know, are, are amazing. And like, they have their own, you know, fan base, their own, you know, ecosystem of supporters and, you know, consumers but no one has ever given me a more honest and like visceral, you know, and like emotional response to my artwork that was art directed or done for a client ever, not more than they have for when it was my personal work, you know, my, like when this is 100% unchained Robbie, like there's no money attached to this, nothing. It's literally just, what would I be doing 
I was all alone on an island with no one around. It's like I would just be telling telling this story or maybe not even this specific story, but just like this, you would see this type of work, you know, it's, it's, it's just me. It's just what I do. Like when you, when you, when you trust the artist, like you, and you get the unfiltered version of themselves, right. It doesn't get diluted or convoluted by like outside elements, right. No one's, there's no incentives. There's no ulterior motives. It's literally just raw creation. And that is, that will always get the more visceral response. That will always feel more sincere because it is more sincere. It's not motivated by anything other than, you know, genuine thought and feeling. Right. Right. Which, 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 which through your, um, illustrative lens is then it, the illustrations are the, in, in the words are the vehicle from, for that rawness. And I mean, to your point, that's, that's the, that's the real, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you can fabricate it, but it's not going to hit the same way. Uh, it's not going to hit the same. No, way. I've seen, no, no. I've seen, I've seen incredibly derivative artists who do amazing, an amazing job of. I'm not going to say like copying or stealing, right? But they're very much mimicking, you know, the, their influences to the point that it's like just a, a slightly worse version of that person. And like that's what I mean. Like it will never be good as the original. It's. I, I think someone said back when you know, before uh, MP3s and all that, when it was all about like discs, I I think someone had told me once, maybe this is true or not, that every time you copy a copy of a copy of a copy, that it like loses a certain level of like information and quality to it. Yeah. And yeah, it's this, like the original will always be the most authentic is what is really the overarching message here, right? However yes. you want to slice it. So so it's like, regardless if it's uh, uh, PFP or or, you know, uh, art that that you know has been part of the establishment it's uh the authenticity reigns supreme i think always i always. would say it always <laughs> reigns supreme and th and that's why like i tell people don't worry about you know the saturation the noise the cash grabs all the the negatives that you know leak out of you know the the ecosystem that we're in right now and, you know, make the, make the, the tab, the tabloids or whatever you want to call it, make the headlines, right? Like, because there is quality there. It's, it's not, you know, it's a smaller percentage of what's happening in the space, but like eventually once all of the, the BS dies out, you know, all the copies, the inferior product wears out, like you're going to have the quality, like the quality will always reign supreme. It might take a while to get there, but like, it will be the last thing standing. It always is. Yeah. 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 That's what stands the test of time. Always. Completely agree. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. Um, well, Robbie, uh, what else, you know, I know you mentioned there's a couple, couple things, uh, on the horizon. Couldn't really mention what can we expect from you, uh, that you can't talk about in the coming months and, and, and whatnot. Well, I mean, it's not like these aren't done deals, but again, you know, I, I, uh, you know, working, working with, you know, certain people on certain opportunities, you know, I can tell you, like, you know, I mentioned cars are a big interest of mine, you know, and that's something that had to take a backseat for many years while I focused on, you know, other, other career endeavors. But, uh, you know, let's just say like, you might see my art wrapped around like specific, like high end cars. Some of them might be owned by celebrities, maybe, maybe not. It's, it's, we'll see. Uh, also love death and robots you know that new season comes out uh that's pretty cool too that i think in yeah uh was it may 20th uh 
Mm, I'm trying to think what else, what else I can talk about that's not like gonna break any NDAs. Uh, I I can tell you I can tell you that like you know other than like my interesting you know commercial opportunities and you know there's quite a few of them out there. Uh, you know from 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 toys to shoes. There is a shoe coming out with a boutique design company, uh, which is really cool. It's done in like like imagine Trevino art wrapped around you know a Nike Air Force One, and that's that will be a thing, a physically tangible thing. There might be an NFT component to it too. We'll we'll see as information rolls in that it'll be available later this year. Uh, aside from that stuff, just if, if you could expect like anything for sure, it would be expanding the world of Numinous. That is a for sure thing because it's it's a passion project that I've worked on for many years. And, you know, I, I will continue to work on, you know, it's, it's going to take many forms. Uh, and right now, like it's sort of existing in, you know, the, the ecosystem, you know, what we call the crypto space, the crypto sphere, the NFT space. But that's a story that's expanded. You know, there's, there's definitely people that are interested in seeing it come, you know, come further to fruition. And it started as a book project, but, you know, it's a multimedia project at this point. You know, I, I'd like to get, you know, physical sculptures done at some point you know like i i would want to see like a toy line come out like in the not so distant future so that's a a big maybe as well we'll see how that goes but yeah it's i don't know i just just expect more of my art i know that's like very vague but (laughs) (laughs) it's just like i i haven't i've been doing this my whole life like i'm not stopping anytime soon i'm not going on a hiatus you know i i just i can't talk about so much of it and it drives me nuts because like uh, you just want to talk about it and you can't, but be ready for more. There's more stuff coming and it won't just be digital art. You know, you won't just see it in a screen. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Robbie, this has been a fantastic, fantastic conversation. Uh, it's another episode of the Decentral Media Podcast, Decent People. It's been a pleasure with Robbie Trevino. I'm Steve Latin, your host. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Decent People. Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes for more information on our guests today. And make sure to look us up on the web at decential.io. That's D-E-C-E-N-T-I-A-L.io. And on Twitter, at Decential. Have a great day. <laughs>